0: Welcome to the Shelter Footycast. Will Schofield, Mark Reddings, taking you through all the big stuff in the AFL of the week gone by and coming up ahead, Skeeter. We've got a Patreon now, mate. Are you excited? I've never heard the term Patreon, but I'm on board with you, Scoey. If you take me to the promised land, I'm there. VIP content, discounts, and much more. Backchatstudios.com.au to sign up as a VIP. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Yeah, here we go. It's Thursday, week two of the finals. It is the Skeet and Sandover Show. That's right, uh, Mark Reddings alongside Hamish Brayshaw. Uh, we're here, of course, in the back chat studios, the Shelter Footycast, and that was a Southern River band, of course, out of Thorny the Boys, always playing great music. You can jump on and have a listen. Uh, also, socials at Shelter Footycast, Cast at shelterbrewing.com.au. You've got the YouTube back chat Shelter Footycast playlist. It's all there. We've got the Bottom Ruffy of the week coming up, which is going to be really tricky given there's only two games. Uh, start your footy weekend at Bottom Grab your shelters where Bottomart has you covered. Uh, first of all, Hamish Brayshaw. First time we've had you on the uh, Shelter Footycast as a Sandover Mealist. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, yep, it's still sinking in, and you knew this time on Monday night, so uh, Monday morning when we did it last. So yeah, Thanks for – you held your cover very, very well. Uh, no, it's good. It's been a good couple of days. It's, a, it's still the surreal feeling, but um, no, very, very happy.
0: The Jew, and we spoke on the night – at what point did you start thinking, I'm, um, I'm a couple of lengths clear here, I might might have this field covered? Obviously, by round 19, for what it's worth, you you had the medal wrapped up, yep. but a bit earlier than that, tell us when you thought, oh, hang on. I, I
1: sort of, I thought from rounds five to ten that I wasn't going to poll much, I thought I might get one vote um, through that period of games and, and managed to poll five and, and got to the ten round mark at ten votes, so I was only four clear I was only four behind um Murdoch who was the leader at the time and I knew he didn't play a lot of the back end of the year uh and I went on a pretty good stretch of games um so I knew that I would pole pretty well so about the 10 vote mark 10 round mark I I started to get a little bit nervous and uh started to text Andrew saying mate I hope you're tuning in and this is this could come down to the wire a little bit and um then I went 3-3-3 and jumped ahead to 19 and then when I got the um I got the one vote against East Frio in our loss at the Wacker and and then I knew that I'd, I'd I'd played two pretty good games at the back end. So it was yeah about round ten is when I started to get really nervous, and then at about round seventeen eighteen I knew I was uh, I was a pretty good chance.
0: Yeah, hands and heels towards the end there, very nice. Uh, winning by seven votes, which yep. is, is is a <coughs> terrific result. Uh, most people know your season and how. You, what about the the celebrations? Just give us a glimpse of what the night was like. Did you? catch up i saw obviously andrew was there your, your parents were asleep but your mum deb um was alerted to the fact and so she was like can you and you ended up in the, in the casino having a, having a big yep. or or quietie?
1: it was a reasonably big night we had um so andrew and caleb sarong have been doing a, having their pre-doig medal nobu dinner tradition or something that they've got going and it's pretty easy to do that when you're winning a lot of money on the <laughs> doig medal uh so they head over to nobu and they were there that night and um and he was Andrew was texting me and he was watching the night uh, and he was also keeping Mum updated as well and there was actually a really good East Perth contingent there on the night because a lot of the boys thought that the three of us myself Mitch cried and Angus Schumacher would poll pretty well which we did um, so they were all there and uh, at about the uh, at about the sixteen vote uh, sixteen round Mark Andrew had sent me a text saying you know I've spoken to Mum and good luck and blah 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 and. Afterwards, uh, I, check, I didn't check my phone for a little bit after I'd uh, after the fact, but he um, he had texted me a photo, and when uh, when you said let's be upstanding for the silver medalist Andrew Caleb and their two partners were in the middle of Nobu and stood up and had a glass of wine raised and in the middle of the restaurant <laughs> celebrating, so that was quite funny. Um, so he came out with. Uh, with Lizzie for a bit, and then we had all the East Perth boys. Mum called me while we were over at the casino. Not a whole lot happening at Crown on a Monday night, no, to but be fair. No, that's uh, an understatement. Yeah, so we went and found a bar in there, and there's enough people there to get... So all the East Perth uh, contingent were there it's and having So yeah, having a drink with yeah. you. And, so it was, uh, it was really good fun, and I wrapped up probably 2.30-ish, so I got home at a reasonable hour and was up and on Media Street on...
0: Tuesday morning. Absolutely. Just a quick story for my night finishing a bit same as you, quarter to 11 i I'm sure like you hadn't, you know, might have had a glass of champagne yeah. but just under control. Um, I had a room at Crown, um, but I didn't think I'd be staying there because I drove my car there and wanted to get up early. And then, of course, um, my two daughters decided, oh, well, Dad, we'll take the room. So so they're up in the room, uh, said, is is breakfast included? They said to me, said, no, I'm not paying for that. (laughs) You just just, uh, sleep in the bed and that's Little did they know your card's already over. (laughs) As it turns out, I bumped into a guy called Paul Higgins, who's a mate of mine, runs a shoe, and a couple of East Perth blokes that said, come on, we're going to the cast. So I ended up drinking probably not a lot, but enough to mean... Much. Shouldn't be drive driving. So I oh okay. went up to a maroon. so I had to sleep, and they weren't that happy about it, had to sleep in the same bed as my two daughters at 22 <laughs> years of age, which is not a great look for a dad. But I just slept in one little portion yeah. of the bed, got up at six, did breakfast right here like yep. you, know, you did, not and, uh, and we pushed on through the day. Um, following your Sandover medal victory, that, of course, came off the back of – now, you know I'm not great on social media. Yep. But is it fair to say, Jaden, in a word, that this man has been trending this week? Uh, in, yeah. in a big way and yeah uh, we've is just one element of it uh yeah. but the big moments of the week we've talked about your victory on monday night but also the big moment of the week has to be reflecting on the the tribunal case yep. you've had you say pre post it's been obviously um a situation where brayden's being cleared no appeal by the afl is it sort of comfortable or not comfortable you you know where it's at now and, and moving on. Yeah.
1: Certainly that's the only way to do it. I mean, I've uh yeah, I've I've had a few uh choice words sent to me from a few Collingwood fans across the week, so it's that's been quite so, so Scoy, by the yeah, way, who somehow entered the conversation <laughs> yeah, said,
0: If you hate Collingwood, you want Maynard to get uh, yeah, well, get suspended. That's exactly what the uh, the tribunal is about, <laughs> I think. Um so yeah, I've
1: uh that has been quite funny to um to have a little read of every now and again. But no, I've um I've come to terms with it I guess I mean I, I disagree with the decision and I'm I can't you know I, it's different. difficult for me to reason with considering it is my brother but it's um you know even if it wasn't and if it was two run-of-the-mill players that had nothing to do with me and it was a head knock that a guy has decided to leave the ground and um and made forceful contact with the head that's resulted in a concussion for you know, for the most part this year that's resulted in see you later but um you know, it's it's okay. They, that's the point of the tribunal. They are there to deliberate, and they did, and that's their decision. So stick with it, and that's fine. You have to respect the um, the tribunal on that. And then a bit disappointed I was that that the AFL didn't appeal it. Um, I'm sure if it had gone the other way, it would have been appealed. So that was a little bit disappointing. But at the same time, it's I feel like it's finals football, and let's you know let's move on and focus on the good stuff about football. So I can't. I can't knock the decision not to appeal anything, and let's just get it and move on. So, yeah, it's um, it is what it is, and and now and Angus is doing okay. Angus is doing better. I spoke to him yesterday, so yeah, that's the decision's done, and that's
0: really what I care about now. It's been a real polarizing issue because a lot of former players said not guilty, um, a lot said guilty as well. But there was, a, I couldn't find any. Real, if you were doing a poll, it was very much 50-50 as to what people thought. Now you obviously were had a, an emotional attachment. Peter Jess, a concussion campaign, he was really upset with the, the decision but as you say, uh, it's been made, what the AFL now will probably do though, and there's a fair chance they'll look at a rule like this or, or certainly another case like this and this could be a change or at least the catalyst for change moving forward. But would that give you some solace that even though there's no suspension here that Hey, AFL might try to close, if not a loophole certainly just, it's concussion again, it's head eye contact.
1: Yeah, certainly I mean, they are doing they are trying their best to to narrow down on and making this a safer game for head injuries and understanding it's football and there's always going to be uh, head knocks and there's always going to be injuries and there's nothing you can do to stop that um, but the duty of care is on the AFL to, to make sure the players are as, are as safe as they can be and I think this will set a precedent moving forward. I'm I'm not sure how stringent they'll be with this sort of case happening again, and you know if it happens in round three, whoever it does might get reported for three weeks. But it's, oh, I think they're 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 doing the right thing in the way they're looking after the head, and oh, I think that has to be the priority going forward. Definitely.
0: Last one on your brother Angus, and he said he was getting some scans the other night. I'm not sure if the results have come through or, or where that sits, but is there a possibility? Do you think that he'll play in a prelim final if Melbourne gets there? Oh, I, I don't know. Um, I think if
1: if he oh, Melbourne have got to win obviously this mm. week first. Um, at the moment, I think it's probably a normal concussion, maybe a little bit more so. So I, I would say he's probably unlikely to get up for a prelim if if they make it, and um, and if they make a grand final, I feel like he would be more likely than likely to more likely than unlikely to play. But yeah, if they if they win this week and and he makes a prelim and somehow manages to get up, yeah, I'll go to a packed restaurant and cheers and
0: celebrate with the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm. Don't forget, dice playing at Shelter, September 22. Get your tickets now at austix.com.au. They are some of the big moments of the weekend as we jump into our finals preview. Uh, Before we just do that, before we get into Melbourne Carlton, Port Giants. Gee, Crown's been busy with presentations this week, and uh, your brother was back there on, as you say, Tuesday night. Yep. With the Doig Medal. Yep. Uh, Caleb Sarog wins. No surprise no, there. No all surprises. Australian. Jai yep. Amos wins the Beacon Award. Braden Maynard, um, of course, takes a back seat from uh, all the headlines for a moment. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Caleb's year? And I suppose, in many ways, your brother. He mentioned he had a bit of a knee issue in the early part of the year. I think he was beaten by 43 votes. So he's recovered pretty well to, to finish where he did. Yeah, certainly. I thought he, um,
1: looking at it, he he had... Oh, I can't remember what it exactly was, but he had some knee knee issues for the first probably six or seven rounds and had to get a cortisone in there um, over the bye, and that settled things down quite a bit. But he um, during that time, he still was, I think, almost their second best player, and, and that was the stage where Caleb sort of came out all guns blazing and was and setting the world alight. So you... Um, You couldn't, you you can't sort of forget how well he played, uh, Caleb, at that time. But Andrew was sort of ticking along in the background, and then after that, I felt like he was, um, he was back to his best self and and played a really good game, a really good brand of football for the year. But I think there was no real surprises that Sarong was uh, the winner. He he had a fantastic year, all Australian, and in some ways they sort of mirrored each other's years from this to last. So um, it was a sensational year from both of them, and. I thought Andrew picked up and found his best form in the back end of the year, which which saw him come second. But um, yeah, I think it's a credit to the consistency that he's been able to build over a number of years now. And um, yeah, he's uh, he'll feature prominently prominently in that award going forward, I'm sure. But no, it was a very very well deserved award by Caleb.
0: Absolutely, uh, as I said, other winners on the night, and we know that there are life memberships uh, awarded, etc. But uh, bottom line, is Caleb Sorong of wins, no surprise. The Doig Medal, the Eagles have had theirs last week. Tim Kelly across the line. And speaking of the Eagles. Trevor Nisbet at the football club yesterday, nothing new in the sense that he's basically said prior to this that he's going to step down at the end of next year, yep. which is the end of his contract. But him and he and Paul Fitzpatrick, maybe stepping through the the timeline or how the process is going yep. to take place. Um, thoughts? I mean, his his record speaks for itself in many ways. Four flags, financially very secure, lots of success. But at the moment, fans are aggrieved and they want some some action. And uh, and Trevor's. Obviously, bearing a brunt of some of the, their frustration. Yeah, certainly, it's um it can be lost at the
1: moment, given the way that the club is and the situation with the football, the team. But um, he's arguably the best to ever do it, is he? Um, in the whole comp, he's phenomenal. He's been there for, I think he's coming up to thirty four years at the footy club. Um, and he is he he's been a stalwart of that club since its inception. And the way that he's been able to lead through some real hard times. Um, I mean, people have said over the last. Twelve to twenty-four months that there's been games where we've lost and it's like this is the darkest day in Eagles history and they're quick to forget that period of time that Nizzy was the CEO and had to drag this club and the reputation of this club out of the mud and and it, that was tough and um, and he was there through that all and on the back of that was able to lead to more Premiership success and a very successful and stable football club so yes we've dipped again but and he is at a point in his career where he's Yep, I'm gonna. It's it's the time to hand over to someone new, but he has just been so incredible for that club. He's done more for the football club than than anyone in its history, and he'll be uh, yeah he'll be sorely missed. And whoever takes over has got very big shoes to fill. But it's um yeah, I think it's the right time for him, and he's pretty happy. He's content in what he's been able to do for this team and this football club, and yeah, he's a um he's a champion of the place. So we'll yeah we'll
0: be greatly missed. Yeah, well summed up, and of course there'll be a consultancy group and, and lots of people putting their hand up. But this is one of the plum jobs in, in Australian sport, let's be honest. Uh, the membership's over $100,000. We mentioned so financial, so successful historically. It's a bit like, I would have thought, buying a stock that's having a bit of a, a rocky patch. There's only one way for this club to go, and we know how strong they are. That um, And look, guys like Don Pike have been mentioned, early doors, um, and that's not from a coaching perspective, that's from a CEO perspective. Um, there'll be others from from business and I wouldn't suspect they go overseas to get a, a a candidate, someone with a footy background. We see, look, Collingwood at the moment, Craig Kelly. Um, Tom Harley's done the job in Sydney. Uh, we know Simon Garlick's at the Fremantle Football Club. So do you think it's important to have a bit of a, a footy Footy feel as well as a business, a bit of business acumen?
1: Yeah, I feel like that that is pretty important, especially coming into a a team with the situation that we're in at the moment. Um, West Coast is is in a position that regardless of uh, our scoreboard and regardless of our results, we we have a lot of members and we've got a massive, we are a massive business and over 100,000 members and winning the wooden spoon still is, you know, a fantastic effort. And he, uh, whoever takes over this job, he or she will have a, you know, Need to have some sort of football now to understand the the ins and outs of building the team back to where we have been uh, you know we 've been such a juggernaut in making finals year and year and year and it's a um it 's become part of the fabric of the f- footy club that we just are a finals and a successful team so the the football now will need to be there to make sure that things are putting set in the right place for that to happen again, but at the same time it 's such a mega business and it 's been super successful for a long time and you 'll need that. That business smarts to be able to to facilitate that. So yeah, I imagine it'll be someone with a little bit of um, football background. But uh, yeah, whoever it is, its is has got a big job. Big job.
0: The sound of a man and skeet salute Nizzy about to depart after uh, an amazing tenure as the CEO of the West Coast Eagles. We've taken care of the off-field stuff. This is a shelter footy cast. We're going to talk some finals. Right now, beginning tomorrow night, MCG almost feels like it's been left in the background Mm. given what's happening uh, outside of uh, uh, the footy. Melbourne Carlton, 5.50. Uh, Both sides, obviously, for different reasons, have pressure on them. I think Melbourne, though, carry more expectation given they bowed out in the straight sets last last year and uh, the disappointment of, of going out of Collingwood and butchering chances. Um, how do you how do you look at this game, Hammer, with, I guess, changes looming for, for Melbourne, given uh, Van Ruyen yep. out suspended and your brother, obviously, yep. uh, with uh, the concussion battle. They've got to make a couple of changes at least.
1: Yeah, they do. Um, I think, I spoke about this on Monday, the biggest change for them, I feel, will be their, the style of ball movement that they've got going inside 50 because they really butchered it um, on the weekend. But uh, this is such a danger game for Carlton I think it's a free hit you've had, you've won your final you've got all the emotion out of the way of winning that final and the support is there they're going to have it's going to be another packed house it's already a sellout I think and it's um, for them it's okay well who cares what happens here we, we, we're right in and amongst it and let's just throw our best punch whereas Melbourne have that sort of timid nature of we went out in straight sets last year could happen again this year and we you know we probably cost ourselves so there will be a lot going on in the background for Melbourne Um whether they, you know, whether they want to admit that or not, I'm sure they won't. But it's, um, yeah, it's a real danger game for them. I think. I still, I think they're the better side, but there's um
0: a lot is going in Carlton's favour going into this weekend. Yeah, the Blues won the last match uh, against Melbourne by four points at the MCG. That was a night that was tinged in controversy as well with the the touch non-touch on the goal line. Uh, Jack silvani has been ruled out for Carlton, so too Harry Mackay. So both sides have got to make a couple of changes. Uh, the Blues. These sides, it's fair to say, they sort of play similar footy in terms of their their midfielders, really, that they generate so much footy. I guess the difference here is that Maxi Gorn will probably have the advantage in the ruck. Yeah. Uh, listening to the, the, I think it was Paddy Cripps and Sam Walsh after the
1: game on the weekend, um, they're a contest side and they want to win the contest and get the ball going forward. Every team is that. That's It's it's pretty hard to distinguish necessarily between the game plans of, of all 18 clubs. Everyone wants to play the same way and it's it's just who can execute that better. And, and the contest is exactly what you need to win. And Melbourne have been doing that for a long period of time. And, they're, um, and Carlton are playing a really good brand of football that is highlighting their ability to win one-on-one footy and, that's where i think max gorn becomes a, a massive difference his ability to to break open that midfield battle and it's it's going to be you know they've got both sides have got exceptional midfielders and there's Carlton have got a, obviously a medalist, and and Melbourne have got some contenders going forward that can you know possibly win that and they they're all stars so i think it's where gorn sort of separates those two and if Carlton can find a way to nullify his impact and, and shark the ball a little bit more as opposed to trying to get it on their own terms, it'll be um that'll be probably what they're gonna to have to look at doing. And yeah, it's uh it's it's certainly gonna be I think that the the difference is how much Gorn can impact and he's dominated the last few weeks and really taken it upon himself and whether Grundy plays or not, he'll um he'll he'll certainly dominate this game.
0: The forward ways for for Melbourne, let's have a little dive into this. They had sixty-nine sixty-nine inside fifties last week. The second most by any side in a losing final, with the Cats having 72 in a loss in 2016. Bear in mind, from the 27-minute mark of the third term until the end of the ma- match, the Demons won the inside 50 count 24 to four, but they scored 22 points to three in that time. That is just not going to get the job done this week. No, it won't. And it is a
1: credit to Collingwood's defence. They are like, they've got one of the best defences in the comp, and they've Craig McRae's got a very well well-oiled system in place there to stop scores um, and generate run-off half-back and all the rest of it so they're they're flying so credit to them but I think it's just the the method of entry and for whatever reason it looked you could feel the momentum going Melbourne's way and but it just seemed like there was a bit of panic and a bit of get the ball and just pump it in pump it in pump it in and that wasn't working and I don't think they made the adjustment and Petrarca was up on the ball and they'd moved him halfway through the third and he has for you know a lot of this year been a such a dangerous forward option <clears throat> that when he's not able to you know he's not there or thereabouts because he's kicking the ball in then you lose a little bit down there and it's um yeah they just needed to change the method and and slow the game down a little bit to to find targets and even if it meant having shots from 50 meters because you're finding Mm. finding a lead up forward who can kick it as opposed to bombing it and trying to pluck that one in a thousand from you know a pack of 10 at the 20 meter mark i feel like they've just had to mix things up a little bit with the momentum going their way and that's i'm sure being around football clubs that's something they would have reviewed going into the week and they can't do that again because that won't hold up in a in a semi final. So they'll um, they'll they'll be aware of that and that'll be something they're definitely looking to change.
0: Okay. Uh, that being said, I think you've mentioned you think that the better side on paper you believe is Melbourne or a better team. Yep. Who's winning the, the semi-final to get through to take on Brisbane at the Gabba?
1: Oh, I think Melbourne win the game. I, I think it's going to be pretty tight and I think it will, you know, it'll take until the last quarter to break them apart. But I think um, I think Melbourne will just outclass them here. Carlton had a lot of emotion sort of come out of that game last week. And for the supporters, for the players, it was such a breath of fresh air and a relief that they were able to finally win it in September. And it's, um, it's very, very hard to back up a performance like that, and I think Melbourne will just be too good.
0: Well, uh, given there's only two matches, I'm going to give you an, a nice little give here because I'm going to go with the, the uh, Bottle Mart Ruffie of the Week in this match, which leaves you with probably a good option for the sure. second match. So uh, start your footy weekend at Bottle Mart, grab your shelters where Bottle Mart has you covered. So off the back of that, given there's no team over $3, but Carlton at two twenty, if I take them to win by over four goals, thank you, Jaden. That's yeah, a Bottle Mart. That's a Bottle Mart Ruffy of the Week. Um that's me. Blues, I'm not sure they're going to win by more than four, but I think they can be very yeah, competitive. I like it. Taken. And we're going to take them as our bottom up roughie of the week as we go from Friday to Saturday night footy and at the Adelaide Oval. Talk about a pressure. We've mentioned you know, Melbourne, straight sets. Well, Port Adelaide, they've been the boom side this year in many ways. They've been top of the table yep. at times. you think they're going to finish top two. They end up end up missing that top two position, which means they get beaten up at the Gabba, finishing third. The Giants, 540 Saturday at the Adelaide Oval. And Port have won the last three against the Giants. But this Giants side's playing really good footy.
1: They are flying at the moment. My... Um with the exception of Melbourne, obviously the Giants are my favourite team, and uh, and Scully's all aboard the Giants train as well. So we uh he we, does
0: jump, he does, he's a bit of a mover and shaker. He though, is, Scully. he
1: is, yeah. But we, we're we're a uh, we're a Back Chat family over here, and uh, Jack Buckley, Jack Buckley, the Back Chat Backman of the year. So we're all <laughs> aboard the uh, the Giants train. There's a big, big sound, and they are playing good football to match. So they've got. You know they've got. A, oh, I think I've said it before. They've got the two two of the best key defenders in the game at the moment. Yep. That duo works really well together. Taylor and Buckley, and and then they've got their midfield He's flying, and and the Canello to come back in. So that's going to add something. And and Briggs as a ruckman is so underrated. He's just he's just one of those big guys that gets the ball moving forward and is you know hard to push around. He's he doesn't star, but he doesn't you know he never gives a poor effort and he'll, he gives his team first look more often than not, which is massive in finals. And then their forward line is, is jam-packed, full of stars. Jesse Hogan's playing really good footy. Toby Green's obviously a, a star and guys like Bedford and um, and Riccardi as well have stepped up and they've got a lot of good players that are, that are hitting their straps at the right time and it's, it's I think they're the in-form final side that can really make a rough uh, shake of it in this weekend and that would be I, Port Adelaide are obviously classy and it's at home and it's their top four and it's going to be a hard one for them to lose but um, yeah
0: you've given me an option for bottom up what, what are GWS paying at the moment uh, they'd be about 220 230 as well I think both both favourites about $1.60, $1.65 not that I pay much attention to the odds yeah
1: well in that case I think my, I'd have to go similar margin wouldn't I GWS by four that would be Enough of a bottle, Mark Ruffy. So they will we'll
0: definitely take that. Yeah. And since round 13, by the way, the Giants have outscored their opponents by almost 21 points per game from intercept possession. So that's ranked number one in the competition. They're doing a lot of things right. And as you say, they'll get Stephen Cornelio back this week, Huge. which can only benefit their midfield run. And that's what really impressed me at the MCG against St. last week. Their link up and run mm-hmm. was quite outstanding. You mentioned their back line. Um, the game, having to having to do it the hard way, of course. Winning Certainly, interstate yep. for a second week in a row is not going to be something no. easy. But you just get the feeling Adam Kingsley's got them on the same page.
1: Yeah, I just for they're all back line to forward line. It just seems there's a lot of synergy in the in the group and. The midfield is linking up really well, and they're they're offering a lot off as you said, intercept possession, and and it helps when your forward line is 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 firing, and you've got a pillar like Jesse Hogan, who is you know obviously a class player, and he's able to either win or half the contest, and then you've got guys at the ground level who are who are doing that, and then your X factor in Toby Green, who's who can pop up and, and really break a game open, but they they do look like they're on a, a similar trajectory to the Bulldogs in 16. They have real belief in their squad. They've got. You know, they're playing with a freedom and a lack of fear about what's going to happen. And that sometimes can be the way with teams that finish outside the four. It's it's do or die from the get-go. And they're very much in the mindset of let's just roll the dice and throw everything at this and see what happens. So that's what I think they're playing on. And they're playing on that freedom that Port Adelaide won't have because they'll have the, the fear of what if we go in straight sets? What if we go in straight sets? So it can be a little bit of... Um, of reservation from Port to to play on that massive freedom that you can in a regular season game when they went on that that big run of wins. So it's um yeah it's a it's going to be a tight game and it'll be really fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it, but I think the Giants are just flying at the moment, so they'll be
0: my bottle mark by four. Fair enough. Um, just for what it's worth, the uh, recent history Port Adelaide's won their last two games against the Giants by fifty-five and fifty-one. So uh, that's home and away stuff. Park so, do, but but the one that's interests me very briefly is that the Power have conceded over 100 points 5 times this season. Now, if you're looking for the DNA of a premiership team, that's, that's not it. it.
1: Yep. No, you're uh, you're right. That isn't it. Um and yeah, it's you can't be giving up a hundred points in a final. What is the rule or something? I think it's first to ninety usually wins. And as Carl says, first first team to kick twelve goals, which is what, you've you're given you, it's, it's pretty close to, pretty close tip, to Yeah, pretty close to ninety points. So then you know you factor that in. The, it's a final, and the last few games in the finals have been pretty low scoring and, and hotly contested. And, and if they get broken apart, it's just going to be hard to score on the back of that. Um, especially given, as I said, the the defence of GWS is is has been so strong over the past you know 12 months that if if they can allow a massive score against them and and GWS are kicking somewhere near 80 or 90 points. It's It means that they're going to have to do the same to win the game. And it's just a hard one that I can, can't really see them doing at the moment. So unless Ollie Lord
0: pops up and kicks 10, it's going to be a hard one for them to get you know close to that 90, 100 point mark. And the question is, Charlie Dixon will he be selected tonight, of course. Massive inclusion if he is. But yep. they've got some concerns down back. We know they've got injuries, McKenzie, etc. We know that uh, Jonas has done his calf. So he's, not just his season, but his career he's done, yep. is done. So uh, they've got some issues. I, I feel a bit sorry for Port because they've played really good footy. But I'm tipping them to win because most okay. sides, as you know, as you've done with Melbourne, yep. bounce after yeah. having a disappointing qualifying final or being beaten. And, and no one was more disappointing than Port Adelaide in their qualifying final against Brisbane, who are absolutely flying. Of course, the Collingwood Magpies having a, a breather as well. Uh, this is the Shelter Footy Cast with Skeet and the Sandover Man. Uh, as we uh, jump into some listener questions before we wrap things up on this Thursday, uh, this is... Uh, Desert, Rat, 84. Okay. Okay. In fact, we'll leave him to last. because sure. uh, It's, a it's such then. a good question. Uh, Wilma says, you've been talking during the week about the finals by and there's no reward for finishing top of the ladder. Do you think the waffle-style finals is better? Top nine finals and first gets a week off. So, essentially, it's top five, though. Um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah. Do you think there's any any different method that would better suit
1: an AFL final system? Sc- Scully has convinced me, and, and he's turned my my thought process around on this, that the pre-finals buy should be before the grand final.
0: Yeah, but he got that from me yeah, and who, I got it from someone else. Well, so. In
1: that case, that's, I, I like that. So I, I, I. I feel like that's, it that gives the teams who finish at the end the best, the, the, they get the advantage. I understand what, um, what the question's asking about the the first, the, the minor premier getting a week off. So in the waffle, the, the, yes. the minor premier gets the first East week off. Year. East from Antle will get the first week off. And then they play in a qualifying for the grand final next. And, I'm not sure. I haven't even looked at what a graph of that would look like for nine teams, so it's it becomes tricky. But I think the um, yeah, I think the benefit should come, if not to the first team that finishes, to the to the teams that make the grand final. So I haven't looked at it and been able to you know nut it out what it would look like for getting a benefit for that first one. But um, it's certainly something to look at. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the pre-finals but I'm Not just I mean, I mentioned the the. Angus situation with regards to concussion, which will happen in a premium final, uh, maybe not as severe as what your brothers had, but I just think it, let your healthiest best two teams be available for a grand final. That's my theory, as opposed to Uh, for week one of the finals. But that uh, is something the AFL, I'm sure, will look at. Uh, Wilmer, thanks for your correspondence. Jamie says, What are your thoughts on the crowd reaction every time Adam Saad touches the ball? I was sitting in the nosebleeds for the Eagles-Blues game. Some people commented that people yell boom whenever he touches the ball because he's Muslim. His Wikipedia page says Blues supporters yell woof because of his big left boot. So I may be overthinking it. Um, Going back, Ange Christou was a player that used to have that when he kicked the foot he was at Mm -hmm. woof. Um, I'm not sure there's anything untoward with no, uh, what I he said. For Adam I, I don't
1: think so, and if there was, I, I feel like he would have probably addressed the Carlton yeah. fans, and they would have stopped. Uh, I mean, whenever Jacob van Rooyen goes near the ball, everyone yells. Bruce. So, every, yeah. look, Bruce kicks the ball, everyone. Bruce. So there's. That's just the way it goes. I feel like it adds a little bit to it's the a game, feel good. It's, it's, it's a feel-good it, sound,
0: yeah. yeah. There's nothing untoward, Jane, but I understand your question. And uh, look, oh, as you say, as Hammer rightly pointed out, if there was any issues, it would be Adam Saad who would call it out. Uh, Zach says, what are your thoughts on the AFL implementing a loan system similar to soccer in Europe for AFL clubs? And I can say this. I, I read this one. The AFL is looking at a, a mid-season trade as opposed to a draft. They might have both. But the trade mid-season, I think, would be something that clubs would be certainly... Uh, that to prick their ears. Yeah, I think so. The loan one is an interesting thing.
1: I mean, other sports do it where you can just say, uh, West Coast player can say, "Right, oh GWS, you can have this player for you know six months, twelve months," and I'm not, and then come back. And I'm not sure how that goes. I think the mid-season trade is something that can certainly be looked at and and can address a lot of issues that clubs have. And um, the 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 way that would help the mid-season draft is that potentially. All the key pillars have gone in the in the national draft, and there is there are obviously players that go in mid-season that have that have played good state league footy and potentially have missed the draft. But I think if if it comes to you need a real key pillar for if if your fullback goes down, for example, and and there isn't anything of of real substance at a state league level that potentially you can trade for someone that's that's not getting a game, that that I think is something that has a, a lot of merit. The loan system I think is a little bit hard in our game.
0: Yeah, difficult. But uh, I like the idea thinking outside the square, and mm. we are taking ideas from. Uh, American sport and potentially uh, from uh, the round ball game as well. Last one to finish up there. We go back to Desert Rat 84. Speaking of trades, how good is it having Hamish or Sandover man on the show? Any chance of an end of season trade will. For hammer, just completely wow. smashing Scully
1: on the way home. Stiff Scully. No, um, I'm here. For, I'm here off the bench. I'm a, I'm a very willing substitute. When I'll tell you what the ti- timing needed. was very handy this week. I've got to say, yeah, if and when needed, I'll, uh, I'll step off the bench and, and take a little bit of the heat. So, um, no, I'm, I'm quite happy to
0: be, uh, to be the best six man in the comp. I tell you what, uh, <laughs> yes, Scully, he it, it just it's working the media. Once you t- take a holiday, you may as well just say, listen, boys, um, good luck. Uh, <laughs> Someone's going to take your gig if they get a chance. Um, before we go, waffle this weekend. I know East Perth, you don't, you're out, there, so you don't give a rats. But East Perth, East Fremantle through. It's Subiaco going to go to Mandurah. So am I on Sunday to see yep. uh, uh, Peel Thunder? Who's getting through to the
1: GF? Oh. I think Peel, Thunder, get it done. They, they've been flying home. They're, they've come home with a wet sail the last two games that they've played, and they just narrowly missed East Freo on the weekend. And and Subiaco, I think if they're going to win the game, they're going to have to throw an almighty punch early uh, because with the fitness of the AFL listed guys and, and the way that they're, Peel are moving the footy, they're, they're, they're going to be hard to beat, especially down there.
0: So uh, my tip's Peel, and um and then I, I think they'll go on and get it done. Okay. Peel, Thunder, for you and me, I think they'll play instrumental. In the grand final, of course, socials at Shelter Footy Cast, footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au. Our YouTube back chat, Shelter FootyCast got the playlist, the links are in bio. Don't forget Dice playing down there at uh, Shelter on September 22. Get your tickets uh, pretty soon because they'll run out. Uh, that is austicks.com.au. The long weekend. Hey Sandover, man, take a breather. Well Thank played. Thank you very much. Cheers.